Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, Anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you uh, when you get the Anchor app, and it's so much easier to navigate. Even their online website at Anchor.fm is very efficient, and you can do a lot of great things with it. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Support for the Jersey Joe Corner podcast comes from Manscaped. They are awesome in men's below-the-waist trimming. Manscaped delivers precision tools for your kahunis. This is why Manscaped has re-engineered the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has the proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't get you in the family jewels or anywhere sensitive. Manscaped accidents are basically a fossil in the past. And don't use the same trimmer that you use to clean your face that you use downstairs. That is just gross. Manscaped has the crop preserver and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already use that stuff for your armpits, but why not do it downstairs? That's the most smelliest part of your body. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code BIGHEADS. All caps, B-I-G-H-E-A-D-S at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools to get the job done. Your kahunis will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com please use b-i-g-h-e-a-d-s all caps
Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner with Jersey Jim. Welcome back, everybody. It's been six plus days. Uh, this is going to be a more brief episode. So, Jim, it's going to be Team USA, the Taylor Hall situation, Scott Sandlin for a coach, maybe. Maybe. Throw in some curveballs. Maybe uh, knuckle pucks. Some uh, some quick devil in the details. Um, just a recap of uh, you guys didn't see the last the article on last word on hockey that I did on Sunday. We'll just go over some things that you know could be looking at. You know some things, some changes that the Devils could make to play a little bit better. There's certainly a lot that needs to change between now and the off season. But with the month of December coming, you have the 13th, which is uh, Team USA has to finalize their 23-man roster. Yeah, I mean, my understanding is from reading the quotes from General Manager John Van Beesbrook, is they're really not going to finalize their their true roster until after their two uh, warm-up games over in the Czech Republic. It's, well, speaking of those games in the Czech Republic, well, I want to mention those uh, preliminary games. But before we do that, to tell our listeners, uh, Scott Sandlin, you have Dave, you have uh, what was it, Lassand, yes. and then you have Steve Miller, Brett Larson, and Jerry Keith as the That's coaches. That's correct. So, so. I was listening to the hockey news. They not only mentioned uh, John Roblevsky in the same breath about being a possible part of the coaching staff for the New Jersey Devils, but they also threw in Scott Sandlin, who is with Minnesota Duluth. So let's hit on Sandlin like we did similar with Roblevsky. Yeah, I mean, Sandlin, Minnesota Duluth, uh, college coach, again, um, seems to be uh, where the league is going. Um, you know, Jim Montgomery was just let go by the Stars yesterday prior to the game against New Jersey. He came from the college ranks. He was with the University of Denver, brought them to a national title. So, I mean, you know, that seems to be the world that we're living in. I mean, look, the Flyers had Dave Haxtall. I mean, a lot of young college coaches – coming up and it seems like you know in the recent article by uh last time we talked it was granada was one of those college coaches who has ratio ties so do you think with joey anderson in the pipeline and being a former minnesota duluth guy do you think that would be a, a good fit for, like, an assistant coach. Yeah, I mean, that would be a great fit. I mean, like you said, we talked about, you know, a couple you know, like episodes before um, the previous one, we talked about guys that were going to fit. And you always look for ties. And there you go. There's a there's a tie right there. Scott Sandlin, um, Minnesota Duluth. Joey Anderson played Minnesota Duluth. They know each other. So, I mean, that's a, that's a great fit there. Um you know, that'd be a good role for an assistant, definitely. I think you need to get – I mean, you know, you never know. You could – you could, he could see him being propelled 
to the head coaching position. But I think you probably want to get some experience uh, uh, being an assistant in the NHL since it's 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 totally different. I believe this, you know, these days. I know with all these legal issues going on, but it seems like if if the the cup of coffee is smelling nice and bold and fresh. I think Dan Balsma, who's bold and fresh, but he's stuck on another team that's even worse than the Devils, which is the Detroit Red Wings as an assistant coach. And he sees the conundrums that's going on. But what else can he do to really uh, curb that problem with Blash Hill as the head coach in, in, in uh, Detroit? I mean – Look, if anything, he – it's funny, you know, you didn't you didn't think – first of all, we never thought New Jersey would be in this position that they're in. That's one. No one did. I mean, maybe I'll eat some crow because USA Today seem to be the only people, and I think a lot of people are, you know, speculating how they knew this information. But regardless, um, Detroit's got to turn things around there. I mean, you would imagine that Blasio keeps his job. I, I don't know. Um, if they say they do let him go and want to change in direction, do they promote Bilesma? And then there's a candidate that the Devils c- could have ties to, have interest in, and he's now potentially off the board because he's in Detroit. And then do you go after a guy like Scott Sandlin, which I forgot to add to his resume. By the way, Minnesota lose are the, the back-to-back defending national champions. And they are for a good reason. And I was listening to, I think it was Ken Campbell or one of the other guys on the Hockey News. They said, you know, they work with a lot of players who aren't the star players, but they get the most out of their players. And they say they – they can see something of that coaching style in New Jersey. And you know what? We need a coach that, you know, I wouldn't say gets the most out of like Fatoric or um, I hate Burns or any of that sort, but uh, in a different style. I, I hate to cut you off. There's potentially breaking news out of the National Hockey League right now. Uh, Elliot Friedman just posted on Twitter, hearing a coaching change coming in San Jose, hockey-related change, nothing else. Holy shnikes. You mean Peter DeBoer is going to be out? That appears to be what the word is. He didn't give a name, but that appears to be the direction it is heading in. You know what's crazy? I mean, just a few – it feels like a few Tuesdays ago, but it's a Tuesday ago at this point in time. It's December 11th. Uh, John Hines got canned. December 20th was Borg being canned by Lou Lamorello years back. Yeah. And – and this is just like history's rewriting itself. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, it's developing. It's just a coaching change. Um, <gasps> oh, I, I did you just see? Uh, Elliot Freeman tweeted: Peter DeBoer is out hey. as San Jose coach. 
Hockey decision. Yeah, Pete, so at Frege. So there it is. Breaking news on the podcast: Peter DeBoer, former Devils head coach, and current, well, not anymore, head coach of the San Jose Sharks, is out of here. He took the train. But it's interesting. Oh my! It's interesting because the Sharks have been playing some good hockey. Which is this is you know, you gotta. I mean, you know, they sit six in the in the. In the West, they didn't get off to the greatest of starts, but they're only two points out of a playoff spot. Oh, well, they're two points behind. I don't know exactly answer, what it, behind it's... Vancouver, but they're five points behind Vegas. But it's not like they're Oof. out of it. It's really not. They're, they're still in it. So it's interesting it's... that this move comes now. It, it it's just like. LeBron tweeted, source confirms Peter DeBoer has been fired as head coach of the San Jose Sharks, purely a hockey decision. So it seems like a strategic Yeah, move it really does. Or a morale as I as I'm starting to think of it as. And so I did I mean, we were just talking about Scott Sandlin and how he could possibly Either. I don't see Peter no, no. It was a train injuries. wreck. I mean, it was a train that wreck. Style of hockey. It was a train wreck Not... the first time it was here. People were complaining how he was mistreating the rookies. He had so many ups and downs. There were so many issues. Players were in and out of the lineup. Guys weren't developing right. It was just a whole mess. And you need a hands-on type coach. I mean, especially with these NCAA guys versus not to harp against the guys who coach juniors, but the guys who coach the collegiate level have a better understanding of who are to be NHL ready. No, that's about it. happening? You know, that's the big that's the big news right now. I mean, the bore out, I mean, no it's not anything to do with anything else except for it's a hockey move and the Sharks wanted to make a hockey decision. They feel like they need to take the next step. They feel like they have a team that can win and that's it. Corey Mazasak goes the only two guys who have been the head coach of the Devils since the summer of 11 were both fired in a span of eight days. Claude Julien was one of them. There, there's more to his. Another tweet out of it. So it was like, just think, just thinking about it, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, um, everybody seems to be. Um, you know, saying it's hockey related, you know, people pointing the finger at the goaltending. I really, I mean, Marty Jones turned things around in November. He was the player of the month in November. So it's got to be, you know, they, they, Doug Wilson had to have thought this team just that he could not get this team over the hump. Been to a Stanley Cup final. He went to two Stanley Cup finals. Um, 
you know, Sharks just didn't perform against Penguins. Um, and then the Devils just, they just blew their load against um, the Rangers the year they faced the Kings. So it's just interesting. I believe, I believe there's a point, there's a bellwether. You're looking at Detroit and New Jersey, and Detroit still keeps their coach. New Jersey, obviously, you know, shows the pink slip to John Hines, and then you have, you know, this crazy uh, firing that we don't know because of legal things going on in Dallas. So even players said on NHL Network that they were shocked. No, they didn't see it coming. Didn't see it coming because the stars are like, no, they, they're, they have, they're like in the top two. They're in the first seed of the wild card with Vegas. So anyone wondering? Yes, San Jose. Yeah, I mean, five points. You know, Dallas. That was just out of the blue. I mean, no. I mean, yesterday morning, did you see a, a press release from Dallas that says, "Yeah, unprofessional conduct." You're like, "Oh, what did he do?" And no one seems to want to talk about it. It's it ha- it, It's bad enough it's be to bad. where the general manager said, who went to the owner and said, "Yeah, you got to get rid of this guy," because eventually it was going to come out. So. They canned him. I mean, Rick Bonus. I mean, guy's been around. So it's not like they didn't have a a quality head coach to come in and coach the Stars last night. But, I mean, again, you know, look at all the – you got firings left and right. And, you know, going back to the Devils for a moment, you know, Elaine Nazardine, I mean, he can only do so much. I mean, there's there's a lot of problems that the Devils have and that are being – that you know, were covered up by moves made in the off season that really weren't addressed or we thought were addressed properly and are coming to a head now in this season. And they're probably more than this, this man can solve. I mean, he's got to take one at a time. And the biggest thing I see as like I wrote over the weekend is the defense they gotta fix that defense and play more with structure and i i've been before i was at the devils versus uh rock i mean back in i think october and i just remember seeing some structure in that game but i mean it started to all break down and I believe it was the shootout, but shootouts don't count. But the next game after was like, what just happened? I mean, you you see, you saw what happened with, you know, PK or you have maybe someone on the bottom six, you know, like Hayden, you know, you know, just going out there and not playing enough defense or, you know, just picking up someone else's you know, time on ice. Now you're starting to see both is playing, but at the same time, it's like, you know, PK was losing his mind yesterday. Like, literally. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look. A lot of dumb they, I mean, him and Ben were going at it like they, like PK was still in Nashville last night. Um, I mean, he took some stupid penalties. Granted, the penalty kill was played great yesterday, 
one of two positives that came out of the game yesterday. The other was, again, Mackenzie Blackwood standing on his head because the Devils couldn't generate offense. How do you muster two shots in a period and then five total through two periods was unbelievable. I honestly thought, like, right from the get-go, it just they didn't have their skating legs. They didn't – the Devils themselves, they just didn't, you know, have their will to play. And I believe it's Nazardine's move to talk to – to see what he can do to improve this roster – and I believe it's got to be treated like every player is making the cut to make next year's team, if you want to put it that way. I mean, Tim Hall really doesn't give much of a no. Team. He doesn't. He knows he's getting. I mean, moved. yeah, you could. I mean, look, he's look, he's been trying the last couple games to do his best. Okay, fine. It it definitely hurts the fact that Nico's not there, offensively. Like, even when he was in the lineup, they weren't generating much, but still, he was there. Um, he took attention away from other players. But they just I, – I keep going back to it. You know, your uh, your buddy at uh, Putch and P- Pucks and Pitchforks, Vinny, uh, he posted something. Yeah, Vinny, Vinny Parisi. Parisi posted something yesterday echoing what I've been saying the whole season long is – I see teams, regardless of the score, no matter how bad they are, battling hard, playing with heart, playing to get back in the game. Hell, the Ottawa Senators, doesn't matter. We know they're a bad team. Columbus, they're not, you know, they took steps back. But they played hard every night. It doesn't matter what the final score is. But they go out there and they play their game and if they win, they win. And if they don't, they know. But they at least they give the effort. There's just no effort. You, you, you're definitely hitting on something. Because I saw someone post that this is within the first, like, 30% of, like, the Dell's start of the season. This is the fourth worst record in franchise. Yeah, history. I mean, take out... Devil's Insider posted that. I believe. It was one of those uh, sources that put it out Yeah, there. I mean. So, I just saw that on his. But take out the first two so, years because this team had just moved here from Colorado. And they were a novelty in New Jersey. My parents have told me this. Yeah, they knew they were a bad team. Everybody knew it. But it was fun because it was something different. It was hockey in New Jersey. It wasn't the Rangers. It wasn't the Islanders. It was our own team. So they went there and they cheered. And they had a good time. And they fell in love with Chico. And they played. And they played hard. They gave it their best. This isn't fun. It's outright hard to watch at times. I honestly believe, you know, regardless of who's on the ice, if you're not participating – you know, in showing that effort, you know, not showing the determination. Like, you know how they say we are the ones? That's just the poorest, I believe, 
all these slogans marketing team has put out there. I would never say we are the ones or anything like that because it's so easy make fun to of. Like re- make fun of and reinterpret. You got to make it you hard to make fun of. And you know what? It's, it, I honestly believe that there's a long, hard look into the roster. Oh, there has to be. Think of it this way. There, there has to be a moment in time where Coach Nasruddin looks into each and every one of these players, has to have Peter Horchek with him, and they got to send Ray Shiro all these inside, you know, scoops, along with if any of these kids or any of these players don't want to get any help from Dr. Amy Kimball, the team psychologist. There's a lot of red flags to point out because you, yes, you really got to look a lot deeper into the root of it. I agree. Um, it brings me to uh, brings me to an analogy, or uh, not an analogy, but you go cross sports with a lot of things. I remember when Mike Singletary was in uh, was in San Francisco. He's coaching the 49ers, and Vernon Davis was the tight end at the time. It completely walked off the field and like didn't give two craps about anything. And then Singletary goes on one of this this famous post game rants. It's up there. It's not up there with the Iverson practice or the Mike Gundy. I'm a man on forty rant, but it's up there. It's like top five. <laughs> but he says, "I want winners," and that's how he started. So I want winners. And and that, it was like all right. And he was talking about how you guys he wants guys that want to play hard. You don't want to play hard. You're not on my team. He, it went all into all that. And I was like, you know what? That's perfect because these guys, they just, they don't have that champion's mindset. Maybe it's the fact that it's all the losing. And I get it. It gets in your head because it's a culture thing. But you got to try to drown it out and get it out of there. And I agree with you that there needs to be a hard look at this roster top to bottom. You want guys that want to play here. You got want guys that are gonna try hard every night, give it their best every night. Heck, you brought Mikey McLeod up. All right, let's see what he can do against Colorado. And I'm not talking in a bottom six role either. Put him where he's supposed to be. Like guy, if he can, if he can bring some speed, some grit. I mean, in in the preseason, I love seeing that he was getting into those dirty areas that he used to go into in in Mississauga with Nathan Bastion. And now he can prove that he can steal someone else's spot regardless of who they are. Exactly. It doesn't matter about the name on the back. It's the, it's the logo right on the front, as Coach Herbrooks would say. Exactly. And then, you know, got him and Bastion lead the team down in Binghamton or up in Binghamton, whatever. Um, but they, those guys are tied 13. Somewhere in upstate. New York, exactly. Um, but they lead the team. 13 points each. So, you know, McLeod's up. I would think Bastion could be coming up sometime soon. I mean, you put those two guys together, they've been working magic this year. You you know what? I I always like the fact that when the Devils scouted the both of them in that draft. Yeah, I did too. You know, I did too. They, they had chemistry. They were like twins. 
I don't mean like the Sadines. I just mean like twins in general, where they thought like one another. They knew where each other were going to be. And so you have two guys that processing the game within the game, you know, on the same line. You, you just play them that way regardless. And Bastion, to me, you know, fits the team longer term as well. Like Bastion is – you know, a tall, young, Brian Boyle-like figure that we need. I saw one of those uh, videos where Bastion got a shot in the Kahunis, still got up, blocked a shot, and blocked a shot before, and then the same play. I mean, this is the grit and determination of a devil. We need each other player to start, you know, playing. I don't care if you lose a few uh, extra stem cells in that moment of time, you know, you lose your nerves, you know, a little bit like that, but it's a team move. Um, so I was just, just to, just to, I was just looking on Twitter real quick and I saw that Dave Barr and the rest of the assistant coaching staff have been let go as well. That includes former Devils goaltender Johan Hedberg. Um, Moose. So, but yeah, I agree. Like Bastion, he just represents everything that you want in a, in the team, and you know he's he's awesome. Um, you know he's doing well down on the farm, and I like it. Um, like you said, it was it's a good move uh, bringing those two together, uh, drafting them. And they're playing well together. So hopefully they both will play together sometime this season up here. You just want guys that want to win. And that's the thing. And you want guys that want to play hard. And not to say these guys aren't playing hard, but it the problem is the effort is just not there every night. And it, they just seem to give up so easily. I don't know exactly – who to point the finger at, but it always seems like there's at least one or two players on at least one player on the forward line and at least one player on the defensive line pairing that seems to create a couple chinks in the chamber. And it always seems to really down McKenna, I would and Louis Domingue. And, you know, back to the Buffalo game, I like that Louis Expresses frustration, breaking that paddle of a stick in half. Frustration. I can understand that. I feel the same way too. I I feel like breaking a bunch of them if if I had his money. I would I would I definitely would. do it. I I would definitely break. I would definitely break stuff. I would definitely be breaking a stick if I if I was that team. I'd be breaking sticks left and right because they are just not. It's just not cutting it right now. You know, it's not good hockey. Feel, it's not healthy. I mean, there's something in the locker room. I don't know exactly what it is. I mean, you know, we talked about getting Abby Mastraco on, you know. I'm not sure if she knows, but I'm sure she and some other writers that go deep behind the scenes, not being Amanda Stein, Devil's Property, 
you know, that contract, you can't say certain things, but I'm sure there's something deep behind there. There's something going on that Shiro's finding out now that he's going to have to make a general manager's decision because, you know, things aren't working on the ice. Something's probably not working off the ice along with Yeah, it. it's clearly something is not working on the ice. And, I mean... The elephant in the room. God, I hate to say it, but it's the guy that's got one year left on his contract. That you mean? Yeah, Halsey? that's been tied to a lot of trade rumors lately. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if I wake up tomorrow like I did. Uh, a few years ago when the Devils traded Sammy Vatnin, traded for Sammy Vatnin because they traded away Henrique for As I woke up seeing that Taylor Hall was traded morning. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it could happen. I mean, look, Tyler Kelly, one the guy we had on, reported over the weekend that he was hearing uh, that the Devils in Colorado were in trade talks and that Taylor Hall had post played his last home game as a Devil and that a trade would happen by the end of the road trip. Uh, it was backed up by a couple of people I talked to that the you know, Devils in Colorado were in trade talks. Things have quieted down a little bit, but you know it, it makes sense since the Devils in Colorado play Friday that a deal would get done before that game. You good? You back? All right, so uh, the first portion of the the show got saved on uh, on Anchor, so luckily we didn't lose anything. Oh, that's good. All right, so as we were talking, we are getting into talking about our next topic. We got a little sidetracked with Team USA, but we got what we needed to there. But we were talking about how Taylor Hall was the elephant in the room and how, you know, he could be a problem. And I was just talking about how our buddy Tyler Kelly, who's been on the show, put it out a tweet on Saturday talking about how he had a source had said the Devils and the Avs were in trade talks and that he hauled, played his last game for the Devils at home and a trade would be finalized sometime at the end of the week, backed up by a couple of people I talked to that the Devils and Colorado were in trade talks for Hall. And it makes sense considering the two teams play each other on Friday. I I absolutely agree 110%. I mean, there's not many trades I can say that about over the years. And looking at Taylor Hall over the years, let's think about it in like the stock market. You know, Taylor Hall is an asset, but he's, but he's more of a liability for us now. But he'll be an asset more for the avalanche because he'll be worth something more 
you know, getting us a re- big return on equity. And so his equity, his highest point of equity was when he edged out Nathan McKinnon for the North, for the, what was it? Heart, the Hart Trophy. trophy. Yeah. The Hart Trophy, the 93 point season. So basically selling Taylor Hall within those few seasons since being removed from that is the best business move to do, especially with the locker room so sour. And after having Hall calling out the New Jersey Devils in the offseason, I feel you have to begin to Marie Kondoize this this conundrum. Yes, I agree. I think uh I think that he just needs to uh needs to move on. Uh like he needed to move on in Edmonton. I think this I think to be honest, I think this might be more of a pure rental from Colorado's point of view because they just have so many pieces that they would need to to move or readjust because they're such a cat they're such a, a financial team with McKinnon's contract coming up in a couple of the years, you know, you got McCarr, Landis Goggs do. So to fit him in at a number that he, he would have to take a pay cut. And, you know, people you know, people questioned what I had to say the other day when I was in conversation with a friend on Facebook about, you know, Hall's issues and I you know I made a comment that I said you know I heard in talking with people that you know he was even a bad locker room guy when it came to Edmonton his time there so I'm not surprised to see that this is an issue again and I believe now that it's more public now that I mean you can find on YouTube but I just see like you look at Hall's, you know, demeanor in these post game, and you can see, you know, the way he dresses. You know, he he doesn't look like he's emotionally invested in in being part of the team's future. I think he's sick and tired of you know feeling like his career is a uh, a jinx. Yeah, but a lottery ball specialist. Oh yeah, he. I mean, he made the joke that he was a lottery ball specialist. Just where I got that from. And, but I uh, mean, it. You know, and I keep trying to. You keep trying to keep comparing two players because they're both. But one player, the guy who finished second in MVP voting, seems to keep raising his level. And taking it to a, a higher level, and proving Nathan. to the wor- world that he should have been the one that won the Hart Trophy that that year. I think Nathan McKinnon will win it this year. Mark my words. I it's, I think it's between him and Jack Eichel right now. I really do because because McKinnon just seems so determined right now on an Avalanche team that's so stacked up front, and they have a a lot of success on that blue line. You talk about Kale McCarr. I wasn't so sure if he was going to go third overall or I remember there were talks where he might have gone first overall 
And the Devils still took Nico Heischer, which I think is the smart move long term. But you never know about those uh, American, uh, I mean, those Canadian uh, midget junior hockey league kids, those, the, the, like the tier two uh, league for junior. You just never know. And he went to UMass Amherst and he turned out to be a real success. And he came up last year late in the season and he lit it up in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, Makar has been a beast. Uh, he's really been a beast. Uh, I don't, it right now, it doesn't look like the Devils will see Makar in this game on Friday as he's dealing with an injury. Um, but that could change. I still think there could be a trade on that same day if if things are going to heat up. Well, it makes sense because, what, Colorado and Columbus made a trade before they played each other in Sweden a couple of years ago? You just send them to the next locker room. Yeah. So, it just it just makes sense. It feels right. I know Arizona – there's been talks to Arizona and others, but – I just think I just think Colorado gives you the best possible return for a trade. I just think that you're looking at possibly like Chris Johnson said four pieces. If if Byram's not in there, which is most likely not, it's Connor Timmons. First maybe round pick. Alex Newhook. Yeah. I think that's a start. And Newhook is is a freshman now, but he's going to be a sophomore. He's 20 years old. I mean, if he's too good for his, you know, last two seasons uh, in, well, basically in the NCAA for uh, Boston College for the Eagles under Jerry York, and the Devils also have really good ties with, BC and the uh, NCAA Hockey East as well because Tommy Fitzgerald and Ray Shearer have ties there. Absolutely. I mean, they they seem to be wanting to go to the college route with a lot of guys they draft, which is good because they can draft and develop with the college game because you see a lot of guys coming out from college hockey. And, you know, Alex Newhook is a, a player that's been tied to this trade a lot of people have talked about it. Um, even uh, Tyler Kelly was figuring that he could be a part of this trade. So it's not out of the question. I mean, remember last year when I wrote my little scouting report and I showed and I showed you what I wrote from last year? Yes. To, in a text. Does that sound a lot like a player that we need in return on – for a player like Hall in a package, absolutely, definitely sounds like a player we could get. In a, he would be a he's a good fit. And I, this is one of the reasons I know we talked about the World Junior U.S. team, but it's one of the reasons why when I watch Team USA is to look at the opponents as well. And when those players are draft eligible for that upcoming draft, I take notes on every one of those players possible and I try and get in as much notes as I can because who knows if there's a trade for the that player coming 
who knows for for the doubles at least i mean i was listening i think craig button was on tsn today or yesterday vancouver someplace he was looking at the finnish roster again this year the guys that are draft eligible that are going to be playing for finland (laughs) they seem to be just producing players left and right these days it just seems like besides you know you know the doubles drafting players from Canada, Russia, Sweden. It also seems like Finland is another good source. Like Arnie Talvidia, who is another really good player who's in Penn State right now, and Penn State's going to be playing Michigan. But back to Finland, uh, the World Juniors, and producing players. You know, A2 Pakila was uh, drafted by the Devils recently. I wouldn't be surprised if he made their roster. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised going forward he's going to make the roster. I mean, it's a shame that no one got to see him play at the tournament last year because he was hurt. I mean, despite him being a small size, but he does have a lot of speed. And there is one of the Finnish writers that is on uh, Twitter, and he talked about how well he's come from being drafted in late rounds and starting to really show that he has a lot of speed and a lot of grit and determination. Um, for Sweden, there's a kid that's Serbian named Nikola Pasic, um, who's really determined to be a really good player that the doubles uh, drafted. And this kid's a real puck hog. Yeah, it, there's just so much talent. This tournament is so much fun to watch. It really is. There's just loads of talent. It's a fun tournament. These kids just go up and down. And, they, yeah, they make mistakes, but that's the that's what the fun is in this tournament. And we do see, like, where these coaches get their coaching style from. And this is – Oh, you're tuning it in. Uh, yeah, I just, have, uh, I just have the Sportsnet feed on. Sorry, it's a little loud. I was just wondering if we were just tuning in, but I was going to say, like, you know, I want to see what Scott Sandlin can do as the head coach for Team USA, uh, along with seeing who else uh, maybe Ray Shiro could probably trade for, maybe before Team Canada makes their final roster and Team USA. So, yeah, I would like to I would like to see Quentin Byfield on uh, – on Hockey Canada, because the way rate it's going, the devil would be in the details because you never know if you're getting Byfield or Lafreniere. Yeah, I, I think Byfield has a great chance to make that Canadian roster. I know he, I know he was enlisted a few days back, but he really shouldn't. Yeah. Be. I mean, the, the weird thing is Canada is just listing the roster in bits and pieces. But I'd be very disappointed if he didn't make it. I would be too. I mean, Bob McKenzie <clears throat> made this great point today when they're talking about the World Juniors. He says, you know, Canada, he, he, he says, you know, the other nations, they take their best players available regardless of age. It seems that Canada always wants to go go with an older team, a veteran team. And, you know, if they're, unless the kid is super exceptional – they usually try to stay away from bringing young players. But he says, why? Just bring the best available players regardless of age. 
Because they're still under 18 exactly. years Exactly, so just bring them. And it's just going to be an interesting tournament. I mean, you see all the way these kids develop. Like, I made in my last article that talking about how the Devils are changing things up, you know, from the coaching and the playing, is that if today was the final NHL draft lottery, the Devils would, by default, get uh, Quentin Byfield. And I said, you know, he's a center who plays a lot like a more skilled version of Evgeny Malkin. And having that third deep center would just only make the Devils lineup like more young and more reliable with Zajac, you know, getting older. And who 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 knows how long you can rely on Zajac? Nothing against him. It's just you know, you know, Father Time's not on your side. No, it's not. I mean, I think Zajac's just going to retire, Devil. It it makes sense. Um... As much as as much as he does have trade value to a team, I just don't see him going. I just don't see him uh, going anyplace else. It, 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 it's just that's just my feeling. My like I said to you off air, my gut feeling is you know PK Subban just doesn't fit the Devils defensively and. I think there are other teams that would need a guy offensive firepower that have a defender on his left side. And I think it would be better for him to be on a team that's in the playoffs that has that style for him. Yeah. I just think that the Devils can eat half that contract. Yeah. They get something back. Yeah. They just don't seem to have, um, Something's just not right there with him. Um, it just doesn't. Nothing seems to be right. Um, it, but you know, it's uh, it's interesting. Everybody thought this was a great trade at the time. You thought, okay, he's gonna help the defense. He's just not bringing what everybody expected and then maybe we should have noticed something last year with Nashville when he missed games because of an injury then he you know then he didn't return you know is I mean he got beat by Rocco Grimaldi I mean Rocco Grimaldi is a fast kid but I mean so he but who but it was just like he just got beat it it wasn't he just looked old and slow I I just think that the the way he's at could be on a a more defensively sounded team that needs that extra veteran presence who doesn't need to play a top two role and if and if it's going to be you know someone paying that other four and a half million you know the Devils are going to swap I think it's the right business move. Get I back agree. Your picks. And you get back a maybe a, a nice, really good, uh, like player that's ready to come up to the NHL. I'm not sure who would give up a roster pick, you know, roster player like that 
with a really high skill, but who knows? Because you have PK for the next two plus seasons yeah. at this point. Yeah, and at nine million dollars, it's not so. It's, it's not a good contract. It may be a bad contract, but you know, the con the. The money will go up over time because I think it's 2021 in the off season that July that the TV deal starts to uh, begin. Yes, um, that that's that seems so, that is the t- right time frame for a new TV deal. Um, as we talked about before, it could be similar to what the NFL has. Yeah, and before things get punted away on this uh, this podcast week, it's the season that always keeps on giving. And we want to thank our listeners this year. That's been, I know the hockey season has been pretty disappointing, to say the least. But we know we say the least, but we know that our listeners actually are listening. And on one other episode that I put on on SoundCloud, I was testing out SoundCloud, one guy messaged me, what how are the devils gonna like, you know, turn this whole thing around? I said, there's a lot going on and, you know, there's a like I said, there's a lot of growing pains and there's a lot of singling things out before, you know, the season's over and you got, you know, a bunch of new coaches coming in, but who knows if you bring back Johan Hedberg to become a goalie coach. Ah, that's a possibility. That's definitely a possibility. I I mean, he's a former player, and the Devils had a really good, you know, relationship with him. I know it was under Lamorello, but, you know, when – I mean, the Penguins also had – Hedberg, if I recall, were correct. Yes, they did. He was so, there. He was it, there. I believe he was there in 2001 when the Devils um, beat the Penguins in the Eastern Conference Final to go to the Stanley Cup that year. And I believe it was 2008, 2009, one of those years, the Peng- the Penguins ended up winning it under Shiro, so um, I would like to think that if something does happen, you know, th- there's going to be a lot of context to it, but I think there's going to be a lot of new faces. The Taylor Hall trade, I mean, the- it can't come any sooner than that. Yeah, I think so, too. But, uh, I mean, until I mean, until there's some other action happening I think this is probably going to do it yeah. for now and for those who are wondering you know Manscaped is on, is on our Twitter and as well as uh, Jim and I also have Instagram so like uh, we will put it in our stories so like you can follow us there um, we're on anchor.fm we're on Spotify other places including stitcher so 
if you have Apple Podcasts, you know, we're, we're easy to find at uh, Jersey Devil OG and Jim's Jim Berenger at- on Twitter and Instagram. So follow us. So uh, ask us questions. We love to interact with you. And uh, with 2020 coming, keep those ideas in mind. We love to interact. And, of course, the Big Heads Media, B-I-G-H-E-A-D-S, media.com. You can go there, click on the BHM hockey logo. Part of the Eastern Conference area is the uh, Jersey Joe Corner podcast logo. And we have our uh, episodes there from trans- Transistor.fm. Uh, so you can listen to those right there. And without further ado, I wish everyone a happy holiday. Yeah, happy holidays. We'll probably have one more before the holiday season. And then we're off yeah, for, the, we're gonna... for Christmas. Also, uh, to our listeners out there, uh, we observe those federal holidays like a Christmas Eve, a Christmas Day, and we also observe New Year's Eve because, you know, those are times, you know, we're either with our families or, you know, we just got back from work. And I'm sure you have a feeling because I know you're probably tired out. And you might need a, a drink or two to take off the edge and maybe listen to this podcast. So thank you for your support. And uh, until next time, let's go. Devils. Let's go. Devils. Peace. Peace.